Hello and welcome to Self-Doubt Sandwich, personal essays disguised as a weekly podcast. Practical stuff paired with witchy stuff along with the sandwich that will feed your body and maybe even your soul. Sometimes inspirational. What was that? Sometimes inspirational, sometimes desolate, always honest. I'm your host, Erin Schalmoser, and this is episode 13. My body I would like to dedicate this episode to a woman who came to my yard sale yesterday. I did not get her name. I did not get the name of anyone who came to my yard sale yesterday, but I did have lots of conversations. Anyway, this woman was the only woman who actually bought some of my books. She really took her time and was very attentive in her um, going through all of my things. She seemed to be someone who really appreciated the small things, the details of life. Everything that she got was small things, either pieces of jewelry or trinkets or knickknacks, um, several books, as I mentioned. And um, at one point, we were talking about my life. She had volunteered some information about her own life, different clubs that she was part of and organizations and the women's march that she had attended the day before. But at one point we got to talking about what Doug and mine's plans were. And I told her about how we were headed out to the Pacific Northwest. And she asked, you know, do you have a job lined up or a place to stay? And I said, we have neither of those. And we have a cargo van that we're going to put our belongings in and then we're going to start driving and we're going to have an adventure. To which she responded, oh, how lovely. And it was just wonderful. Um, like, she's probably a little unhinged, but I felt seen and affirmed in her response of, oh, how lovely. And I feel like the word lovely, I'm also dedicating my episode to that word too. I, it's due for a comeback. It's lovely. Small, small victory. My small victory this week is the yard sale that Doug and I had yesterday. Um, yard sales are a pain in the ass. A very privileged position that I'm in, but they are. Um, we had it on Sunday morning, which is typically like my Saturday morning. It's not a day that I usually wake up super early. It's also not a day that I usually engage in any physical labor. And both of those things happened. And Doug and I were also very tired and very snippy with each other the first couple hours of the day. So it had a rough start. But long story short is we, um, we made more money than we thought we would. We sold more things than we thought we would. And then because we have this cargo van that doesn't currently have anything in it yet, um, we were able to just pack up most of everything else. We still had a lot left over because there was a lot 
of things we had up there because we are significantly downsizing our material possessions. We still have, there are still some things in this house right now that are not coming with us to our new life, um, but they're still with us in our current life. So anyway, oh, what I was saying was that we were able, there's a few things that we still are trying to sell, but then the majority of the things that were left on our front yard, we packed up in the cargo van and we took it to a Goodwill donation center that was about 15 minutes away, 15 minutes away, not 50. Um, and we spent less than five minutes there donating our stuff. And that felt good. I did not want to have to throw out stuff that is perfectly functional and people could use. We just didn't want it anymore. Like I was getting rid of a lot of clothes and none of those clothes, you know, had holes in them or were worn out or anything. They just um, aren't clothes that I need anymore. And that was great. Um, It really, the yard sale was a victory for at least twofold reasons. For one, the, the, the profit of it, um, you know, just making money that is not as much as we paid for these things originally, but, you know, we're getting a little bit of a return from it. Plus what really makes it a victory is just getting rid of these things that were no longer serving us as they say, and, um, not having to worry about them anymore. It really does. I woke up feeling different today, not having that stuff in my house. The energy felt different. I was able to get some packing done of the things that I do want to keep and am choosing to bring with me to my new life. I was able to make some like good decisions about packing and all that stuff and like where things are going. And so it really cleared my mind and by the end of the day, you know, Doug and I were being much more pleasant to each other. We were back on the remembering that we're playing for the same team, so to speak. And we um, had some good, just collaborative moments in uh, working out what to do with all of our stuff. And another reason it was a small victory, which this was a surprise to me, not only because I didn't expect it to happen, but I also didn't expect to enjoy it. But another small victory was the amount of conversations I got to have with people that I'll never see again, but... They were conversations. Um, the amount of times that we got to tell our story about what we're doing. And it's really important. Again, I, I mentioned this last week. I'm super uncomfortable with talking about things that I haven't actually done yet because I don't know. I, I feel like a fake at some level, like I haven't actually done this yet. What, what, uh, pl- like what business do I have talking about it? That's a whole you know, there's a lot to unpack there, so to speak. But I'm realizing that it is really important to put words to the vision that you have for your life and that that is how you manifest it. That's one way that you can manifest it is to tell other people about it, not in a selfish way or boastful way, but just in a way that like you are speaking it into existence by telling other people about it. And so we got to talk to people about our plans or in some cases like our lack of plans so far. 
and we just had some interesting conversations. And I think even like this time last year, if I had had to sit out there on the front porch and have these conversations with these strangers, these people who I probably in reality don't have that much in common. Um, they were mostly older people. There were, there were a couple younger people stopped by, but mostly older people, probably people who are a little bit more conservative in their beliefs than I am. But we were still able to connect and talk about real things. Like it wasn't small talk. We weren't talking about the weather. Or if we were talking about the weather, we were talking about the weather in Seattle, which was relevant to our whole story crafting. So, oh, like I was saying, even like a year ago, I that would have felt that would have felt like such torture to me um, to just talk to people. And now I don't have that anymore. Now it's it's like, wow, what a gift to be able to have these conversations. And that's really what you know a big part of life is about is just um, connecting with other people. And so I guess. Could say that the yard sale was a trifold small victory in those three aspects of making money, getting rid of stuff, and also making connections with people that were meaningful. All right, self doubt time. Let me take a sip of tea because you know I've got my tea. So something I'm thinking about this week is defensiveness. And I have realized lately that I have been acting pretty defensive. Not towards everyone. Mostly just towards Doug because the people that are closest to you are the people who get to see the ugly bits about you, the um, shadows and underbellies and like the worst versions because that's the like other side of the coin or like the the double-edged knife of being so comfortable and intimate with someone is that you really are your true self for better or for worse. And um, so I've noticed that we've had some rather tense interactions lately based on me getting very defensive because of something that he said. And then when we go through the work of unpacking it and peeling back the layers, it really is not ever, um, maybe not, like like most of the time, it's never about him trying to like, pinpoint something that I'm not doing well it's just him trying to collaborate with me about the best way to do something I don't always respond well to that though because been defensive now I've also been thinking about the relationship between defensiveness and reactiveness because I used to be a very reactive person and still am in some respects. Um, but a way that I have been able to, or a place I should say, that I have definitely not been reactive 
is like professionally in my place of work, I am no longer a reactive person. And when I was a teacher, that was not always the case. Um, there were some highly uh, charged interactions that I have had with coworkers and with students because of my own reactiveness. And when I say reactiveness, um, not to try and like jump on a soapbox or be an educator in this moment, but what I'm talking about is not just staying, like not the opposite of just being rooted in the present and staying curious about what people's intentions are and giving people the benefit of the doubt. Like being reactive is the opposite of all that. It's like, it's close to like, you know, like losing your temper and it's like uh, taking everything personally, assuming that people mean the worst towards you, um, just like, a, just really um, not being in the present, not thinking about like how I could make the situation better, but just shutting yourself off from information while the opposite of that, like maybe it's being proactive or just maybe it's radical presence. It's all, it's about staying open to what is happening right in front of you and doing, uh, like not assuming that people are up to no good, but just like remaining open to the possibility of that this is not about you. If there's a negative interaction that you're in the middle of, perhaps the other person is being reactive and you might think that it's about you, but when you can be present in the moment, you can know that this is probably has nothing to do with you. It probably has something to do with their own traumas and triggers or the coffee they spilled on themselves this morning. So that's kind of what I mean, just to go on a little rabbit trail there. So being reactive or should I say not being reactive, is something that I have definitely done work on. And I'm happy to say that in the last like couple of years of my teaching career, I became a lot less of a reactive person. But all of that work really fell into place when I moved to my new um, job that I'm only going to be working at for another week now, but it's a place I love working at. And it's acupuncture and um, herbal therapies clinic, and I've actually I actually got a I I took it as a compliment. It was really more of an observation at the time, but because of the work that I've done in the past, I was like, oh, that's a nice affirmation. But my office manager, you know, mentioned that I was never reactive and I always was just objective and open to information, which. I was very honest with her and I was like, haven't always been that way. You know, I've done a lot of striving and done a lot of work to not be that way. And then kind of being in this atmosphere allowed me to finally, uh, what's it like for it to actually coalesce and for all that work and all that, all my desires to not be reactive, all of that actually was able to coalesce and manifest and the environment helps because I'm not in an environment where there's as many high stakes and high stress interactions, but sometimes there still are. Um, like this past Saturday, I got, I definitely got yelled at by a lady because her medicine wasn't ready. And you know, it, it really 
it was something that I talked a lot about with my coworkers afterwards, but it was not something that I took personally. It was not something that I got upset about in the moment. I didn't react to it in the moment. I just gave her the information that I had. I remained open to information from her. So I guess the where the self-doubt comes in is like, man, I've been doing like all this work and honestly, it's the opposite. Like I haven't been I haven't been doing all this work. The work has been being done to me, if that makes any sense at all, towards, you know, being a non-reactive person and it's just a lot easier to do that with strangers than with your husband and your mom and you know like people like that you're close with. And so like all this great all this great development that I've had in being non-reactive in my professional sphere doesn't always come home with me. And it's like it's one of the things that I would actually want to take home with me. We talk about, you know, or like the royal we talks about, you know, not bringing work home. That's one thing I would like to bring home. Like sometimes I'm a whole lot more chill at work than I am in my own house, like having conversations with my husband. So that's something that I'm kind of giving myself a hard time about this week. But I'm also trying to figure out, trying to delineate the difference between defensiveness and reactiveness because there's a little bit of both happening, um, but when it comes to like conversations, namely that I have like with my mom or some of my close friends or Doug that are maybe a little bit infused with tension, there's definitely, it's a stronger defensiveness coming out. And so this is what I've figured out so far. And I don't have everything about it figured out because if I did, why would it be my self-doubt segment subject? Say that 10 times fast. Self-doubt say, I can't even say it twice. Self-doubt what? Self-doubt segment subject. That's what it, I forgot what I was even saying. So here again, here's what I figured out so far. Um, I'm thinking about like the roots of both of them. And as far as reactiveness, uh, you know what? I haven't, I haven't even figured this much out, to be honest. I know that defensiveness stems from insecurity because when I follow the trail back when I go back to whatever it was in that conversation or that interaction that first ignited my defensiveness I can then take a step even further and realize well it was because I felt insecure about something like whatever they said and it's not their fault um, it's how I'm reacting. Oh, here's, here's where the reaction comes in. It's how I'm reacting to what they said because it's igniting some sort of insecurity. And then that's making me defensiveness. That's making me defensive. And when it comes to reactiveness, I think the root of reactiveness is also insecurity, but also maybe some like a, I don't know, like a lack of self-awareness where you, or a lack of world awareness almost, where when I'm reactive, it's because I think everything is about me. 
it's because I think that people are out to get me or people are feeling a certain way about me or they want to make me feel some way about them or whatever. And then when I'm defensive, it's also because I think it's all about me, but in an even more even more of a shadowy way. I feel like they're like, you know, there's their sisters. Defensiveness and reaction reactiveness. Are they sisters? Maybe cousins. So I'm trying to figure out the next steps of this, like, because when it's come to working on my reactiveness, for me, it was really just about the vocabulary and realizing that there is another way to be. You don't have to constantly be reacting. You don't have to, you being me, I don't have to constantly be reacting to people I don't have to constantly carry around my past pain in a little suitcase and open it up for show and tell every time somebody says something to me that reminds me of some terrible thing that happened to me. So for me, it was about awareness. So I think that that's going to be a similar journey I go on here. I'm becoming aware that, no, it's not just that people are saying the wrong thing to me. It's It's actually probably not that at all. It's that I am grasping on to some sort of defensiveness because of my own insecurities about what that's the next step about like my abilities as a woman as a wife as a writer as a creator a consumer you know here we go the list can go on and on so that's I'm gonna wrap this up now but like that's where I'm at right now the work never ends, little babies. It's life is a spiral. And just when you get a pat on the shoulder for not being reactive at work, you come home and have a weekend and realize, wow, I've been a little little bit of a prickly pear cactus about certain things. And um, so practically speaking, I'm just going to ask more questions instead of just making statements based on whatever someone says to me. Um, If I feel a certain type of way about what they say, I'm going to try and articulate that more in the form of a question, which enables me to stay open to information. Staying curious has been a great ally in my own mental health. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I will report back. Sandwiches, 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 all you talk about, uh uh-oh, you talk about is sandwiches, talk some more. Wow, okay, what an emotional roller coaster the last 40 minutes have been. So, here's what happened. I finished record, I recorded all of the segments of my podcast, except for this one, the sandwich segment. I've recorded everything in the order that they appear on the final podcast, just skipping over the sandwich one, which is what I usually do anyway. But here's what happened when I finished my last segment. I didn't know what I was going to do for the sandwich segment. I didn't have any inspiration. I hadn't been thinking about 
any other sandwiches. I hadn't been making any sandwiches. I hadn't been living the sandwich life, and I felt a little bit ashamed about that. The only thing that I've really been cooking besides dinner, which is dinner is rarely a sandwich, um, is the, my my breakfast slash lunch that I talked about last week, the cinnamon raisin bagel situation. So I was feeling very uninspired and unequipped to finish the job, so to speak. And I considered doing various things. Here are some of the things I considered. I considered just being very honest and upfront and basically just being like, hey, I don't have a sandwich, um, but I want to get this podcast episode out anyway. So this is the sandwich segment sans a sandwich I considered talking about a sandwich that I really like that I've made sometime in the past maybe even pretending oh how terrible would that have been that I had actually just eaten it and been like oh yeah that was so good but that goes against the core values of this podcast and being honest I also considered going to Black Crow and ordering a sandwich there because they just um black car coffee they just got this new vegan sandwich in their shops and I really want to try it and I was like does that count like can I go somewhere else and eat somebody else's sandwich and talk about it on my podcast didn't sit right with me plus didn't feel like leaving my house again and spending that money I am definitely going to eat that sandwich before I leave Florida, but it wasn't happening today. And then I just walked into my kitchen, and I'm like, I don't even have anything, nor do I want to go to the store and get anything because I woke up early today to go to the chiropractor, and when I got home, I like, I've been packing and making decisions all day, and I don't have a car available, and I, I, I have a grocery store that I can walk to, but it just... I was being lazy, and I was like, I don't know what to do. Well, you know how they say, like, necessity is the father of invention or whatever? Um, For me, lack is the father of invention today because you would not believe. Well, you are going to believe it because I have pictures to prove it, and I have a whole spiel I'm going to give you. You would not believe what I was able. I still said you would not believe. What I was able to come up with. I... rather impressed with myself so let's get to it I'm gonna I don't have a name for the sandwich it's um it's reminiscent of it's a vegetarian version of like a pulled pork barbecue sandwich almost vegan but not quite um here's another thing so I I looked at what I had right I have the whole wheat pita bread from Trader Joe's from the sandwich that Ethan and I made, which by the way, if you do decide to make the sandwich on your own, which I think you're going to want to after you hear about it, you could even make it with real pork. That's fine. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but, but I am here to tell you what to do in this one regard. Get a better bread. If I was not feeling so lazy or if I did have a car that I could just whip around to the store with, I would have gotten like like one of those Hawaiian rolls perhaps, or even just a Martin's potato bun, and it would have been even better. It was a good sandwich. I'm satisfied with it. I'm proud of it. I'm going to talk to you about it. But the bread 
definitely held it back. I'm not a fan of this bread. First of all, the pita is like not big enough to actually put stuff in and, and fold it and it just breaks and it's not really strong. It's just a very small pita and I don't know. Um, but that's the bread I started with. I mean, because this is a sandwich, so it had to be a sandwich. So pita bread, enter. It's the only bread besides my cinnamon raisin bagels that I had on hand. The meat, quote unquote, uh, Trader Joe's again, or Trader's Joe, has this um, in their frozen section. They have this um, these vegan crab cakes that are made from jackfruit. Jackfruit is also something that is used to simulate like a pulled pork type of thing. So it's kind of weird because there were some crab cake flavors in there too, but it, it all worked out. Um, and it was the, the texture that I was going for. So I had that. And I was like, got some pineapple in the freezer, some frozen pineapple. We can do some meat and fruit stuff, which I'm always into. Um, I'm into fruit being paired with other things. And I was like, oh, I think I have a jar of barbecue sauce in the cupboard that I haven't opened. Here's the deal. I did indeed have a jar of barbecue sauce that had not been opened. But I was smart and I was like, we've had this a while. What's the what's the use by date? And I'm, it was 2016 or something. I don't know how it's lasted this long in the house because I... Um, I don't consistently get rid of expired products, but I have done it since 2016. Or maybe it was 2018. I don't know. Either way, I was like, okay, well, there goes that idea. But here's the thing. I'm a saucy girl. I need to have a sauce. So I made my own barbecue sauce. Um, I Googled homemade barbecue sauce. That was like super easy. And I kind of... Because I know that barbecue sauce is a, you know, a summation of other products. It's not just like, boop, here's barbecue sauce. That's not something that just exists out in the wild. I'm aware. So I know, I knew that I had like some of the ingredients, some of the key ingredients to make barbecue sauce. So I got a recipe um, off of the internet and kind of used that as my guide. But here's the thing. I didn't have red wine vinegar or Worcestershire sauce or hot pepper sauce, so I didn't use those things. Here is what I did use. I used white wine vinegar. I used the ketchup. I used black pepper, brown sugar, also some honey, um, Himalayan sea salt, the pink kind, you know, I like that kind. Yellow mustard, paprika, and chili powder. And I can tell you, I just did that. I, I did some initial measurements. Um, the white wine vinegar and the ketchup probably is the the ones that I did like the larger measurements for and then the spices and the mustard and the sugary parts were half or less than half of the amount that I put of the white wine vinegar and the ketchup but this is like totally up to you and how you like your barbecue sauce um I did the initial measurements tasted it added some more things or not some more things. I already told you all the things added, but added more of those certain things, tasted it again, and just followed my gut, my intuition. And I was pretty happy with the product I ended up with. Um, definitely not 
I don't know. It's I mean, it was definitely barbecue sauce, but it's definitely not any barbecue sauce that I've ever actually tasted. Um, it definitely made my nose run, so it was very spicy, but it was like a late spicy that kind of kicked in afterwards, but I was a bombastic mess while eating this sandwich because like I already said, the bread was not ideal. It was not doing a great job of actually keeping the product in, so there was a lot of drippage of the sauce, of the jackfruit crab cakes, of the pineapple which I still need to get to how I did the pineapple it was it was a lot like I got barbecue sauce all over my wedding ring and all over my face and like then there was like snot just running down my nose as I was eating and I didn't even stop to wipe it because I just wanted to eat the sandwich it was really an experience so here's something else the pineapple is frozen right so I couldn't just plop it on the sandwich so while and I, I, I was toasting the pita bread to make it a little bit more palpable, pa- not palpable, <laughs> palatable. I told you I struggle with vocabulary and I'm a reader. Like, what does that tell you? I don't know. Um, while the jackfruits were cooking in the frying pan, because that was the way I decided to cook because I wanted it to be, have a crunchiness to them because they're very mushy naturally. So they need to have some outer crunch. I was kind of heating up the pineapples in a pot and then once and while that was happening I that's when I was fixing my barbecue sauce and then once the jackfruit was done I took the jackfruit and put it on a plate and then I transitioned the pineapple from the pot to the pan and then drizzled some of the barbecue sauce on there it wasn't like a full like caramelization or anything like that but it was just like a a nice hot soak the pineapple just got bathed in the barbecue sauce and got, you know, a final saute. So as far as the construction of the sandwich, the pita bread was, as I mentioned before, toasted. I'm a saucy girl, so there was three layers of sauce, I think, which probably explains why it was dripping out of the sandwich and I was a hot mess while I was eating it. But I'm home alone today and there was nobody to impress, no obligations. I Heck, I still might have barbecue sauce on my face right now. I haven't even looked in the mirror because... I haven't gone into the bathroom and the other two mirrors that I had at my house, I sold at my yard sale yesterday. So who knows? But um, <clears throat> put, put, some, put a, a light layer of barbecue sauce as the base. Then I put some like not fully shredded, just kind of broken apart jackfruit uh, crab cakes because they were too big to just plop on the pita bread as is, especially considering the inadequate size of the pita bread. And then I did another layer of barbecue sauce with some salt. And then I put the pineapple. And then actually just two layers of barbecue sauce because the pineapple had already been kind of sauteed. Not kind of. It had been sauteed in barbecue sauce. So it did not need another layer. But I did do another topping of salt because I'm a salty girl too. I'm a salty, saucy girl. Take me or leave me. Um... But yeah, and then I just folded it up as best I could in order to actually substantiate the claims that I was making that it was a sandwich and gobbled that thing down. I have some pictures of it that I'll post on my story once this episode airs. Warning, it does not look pretty. Like, it does not look good. Um, You know, possibly due to my inadequate photography skills, but also just... The fact, you know, the pita bread and it's just on and like 
it doesn't look that great, but it was really good. It was very tangy and salty and sweet and just great. So, um, yeah, this was a revelation to me that I made my own barbecue sauce. I'm feeling very powerful as not just a woman, but as a creature human on the earth. So I recommend that I, the, the amount that I made, I still have some left over. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm going to do something with it. I don't have any jackfruit crab cakes left, but I've got barbecue sauce and I've got pineapple. So that is, that was a, that was magic in the kitchen. I felt magical making my own barbecue sauce. All right, so my safe space this week is like crystals. And I say this with kind of a cringe because I'm aware that there's like a whole lot of hoopla about crystals on the social medias these days. And I don't want this to be some sort of like, I'm an OG crystal lover, like some sort of soapbox argument. Um, so that's not what this is about, but here's the thing. I have kind of loved rocks and crystals for a long time, for a large majority of my life. About two or three years ago, I had like a reuniting experience with them where I began going to crystal shops and, and buying them in a different way then I bought them as a little kid and it, it became like my, my practice with crystals became much more multifaceted and spiritual and mystical. So there's a lot, there's a lot more going on with me and crystals these days. And that is partly due to the fact that there's just a lot more information out there about crystals. Um, I wouldn't, go so far as to admit that I've jumped on any bandwagons, but it definitely hasn't hurt. Like the fact that a lot of the people that I follow on Instagram are also talking about crystals and a lot of the podcasts I listen to mention crystals. So just being honest there, but let me back up to, so like, you know, those beach shops or even not even necessarily by a beach, but just like those tourist gift shops anywhere like any destination that is a place where families go to vacation and there's going to be a tourist shop and there's like a big bucket or maybe even several different bins of crystals, gemstones, rocks, um, and they have these different size velvet pull bags. That's not the appropriate term for that. But as we've already established, sometimes I lack the vocabulary but like those velvet bags that with the drawstring, maybe they're you know just drawstring bags, and so like say there's a small bag that you can fill for ninety nine cents, a medium bag that you can fill for three bucks, a large bag that you can fill for five bucks. Well, let me just tell you, I'm aware now that you know probably most of those crystals were not ethically sourced, and all that, but I was a child and. Those bins were my jam. And the few times that I could convince my parents to let me fill a bag, oh boy, was that just an experience for me. And I still have some of those 
gemstones that I picked out while on vacation as a small kid. And um, they have, they hold a lot of power for me nostalgically, but also just as just telling my story. I can't explain to you why I love them. I think there's definitely an element of me feeling grounded when I'm working with them. There's also just the element of that. I think they're fucking beautiful. I've just, I love them. And so, especially as a kid, it was never about like, it was never about the healing mystical qualities of crystals back then because I just, growing up in the kind of household that I grew up in, I didn't even have access to that kind of information. Like I said, I would just get them at the touristy shops when I could. And we also, we in my family, we played a lot of Mancala. And so the Mancala usually, Mancala is like a, it's, I think it's an African game and it, it's this little board and it's about moving these stones. Traditionally, not traditionally, but the, the Mancala boards that we had as kid um, usually came with just like very uniform, circular, shiny stones. But I would sometimes mix in the stones that I bought while on vacation and use those to play Mancala too. Oh my God. I wonder if my mom still has that Mancala board because I definitely, there was definitely a Mancala game that we had that was just all just gemstones. So there's a playfulness that I associate with crystals too, but then there's also just the practicality of them. When I was experiencing intense anxiety this time last year driving over the sunshine skyway bridge um crystals were a big part of my coping with that uh black tourmaline like this one specific crystal that i always have in my purse that was in my hand most days driving over the bridge and um i also never travel without rose quartz but again for me it's never actually been about like the associated healing qualities with them. I believe in those qualities, but it's never been about, like I've never, I usually at least, um, let's back up. Okay. So a couple years ago, I got back into crystals. I had almost forgotten that I had this obsession with crystals as a younger kid and just, um, went to this local shop in St. Pete and, bought some crystals, went back a few times, bought more crystals, um, got into tarot, bought crystals for my tarot decks. Definitely when I first started back into buying crystals, I was very into knowing their uses, knowing their associations and all that stuff. Um, but now it's not even like that for me. Um, I do like learning about that stuff and I do keep it in mind when it comes to how I use my crystals. But now it's, I don't go, well, now I work in a place where there's a whole entire crystal room. So I can, I just go in there from time to time and hang out with them. And the last couple of crystals that I have purchased and like brought home with me, adopted, so to speak, it hasn't even really been about what they can do, so to speak, but more just the connection that I have made with them. So that's kind of where I'm at with crystals. And the reason why they are a safe space for me is the way that they can create spaces for me. 
Um, whenever I travel, I have this uh, rough cut amethyst that always is by my bedside and um, it just helps create a safe space for me wherever I'm sleeping. Like that's part of my, like, this is how I'm going to have a good sleep. And um, like I said, I always travel with my black tourmaline and my rose quartz. And with this huge transition that we're going through with moving, but not moving right away to a specific place, a big thing has been like, well, what do I do with all of my crystals? I can't keep them all out. Like I have, I don't have a a ton of them, but I do have a substantial amount, varying sizes, some bigger than others. I also do have some rocks because I'm also really big into rocks. And I had um, a friend go to Greece and bring me back a rock from Greece. I had Doug bring me back a rock from when he did his solo hike a few years ago. I brought back a red rock from um, this creek area in Zion National Park. I asked before I took it and it gave me permission. Um, So I'm definitely into just rock things too. Um, Where was I going with this? Oh, so like this has been, crystals have been on my mind as far as like, well, which ones do I keep out and with me to help create safe spaces on the road because here's the thing I'm a Sagittarius like my ego identity is all about traveling being an adventure being on the road but sometimes that still like fucks with me and that's not always I don't always love it and I need like help in as far as keeping my cool and like keep managing my anxiety when I don't have an actual home and so crystals are a big part of maintaining my space there's a big chunk of black tourmaline already in our van um, that's going to be in our little console forever that's where that's its home now and so last night I kind of gathered up all of my crystals and found this nice box that I've had for years a girl that I used to work with at Pizza Hut made it for me once made it made it for me Um, It's like a paint splatter box and I wrapped up my big rocks and my big crystals, my huge crystal that Doug got me for our anniversary, my lepidolite that's in there. And then I gave all my like little crystals a cold water bath and had them lay out for the night. And then this morning I kind of just made some intuitive choices about, all right, which crystals are, am I going to just keep in my purse? And those were the ones I've already mentioned, plus a couple other ones. And like, I have this little tin. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's illustrated with a picture of a fairy and a bumblebee. Cause I'm also super, that's, that's the sound of them in this tin. There's these like little books and I would go and grab it, but it's already packed up. But there's these books that I used to have, um, they were fairies of the summer, fairies of the spring, and I was obsessed with them. It's crazy how much, how like mystically inclined I was as a young kid and how I kind of, that kind of got repressed and forgotten during some of my formative years and how basically everything I've been doing in terms of mystical practices the past few years have just been about coming home to myself and coming home to the things that I did 
when I was a little kid and didn't know any better. Anyway, um, this is my this is my fairy tin. These are the this is the tin I keep the crystals that, that I really want to have access to over the next couple of weeks, um, whether just to look at them or hold them or help create a space. And so, the rest of them, the rest of the little babies are packed up in my paint splatter box. So I've, they've just been on my mind, and they are my safe space this week as I prepare for this big transition and they've also been sort of a stress because I've been like well which crystals do I keep and which crystals do I pack up and I'm like does anyone else have this problem I don't I don't know uh but yeah that's my safe space because they help me to create safe spaces I ought to feel special kid For those of you who are listening in the northern regions of the country or just not in the United States at all, this shout out is going to be something that might make you a little jealous of me and it's going to make me jealous of my, it's going to make my future self jealous of me when I am also in a place that doesn't have Publix and can't get this frozen yogurt. So there's this frozen yogurt that Publix makes. This is my shout out. One time, I don't know how long ago, because time is not a social construct and I am terrible at keeping track. Sometime in the last couple of years, Doug and I were at a Publix and we were picking out some ice cream and this older couple randomly started talking to us about our choices and somebody said like, oh, you should try this Publix frozen yogurt called Roadrunner Raspberry. It's so good. And I was like, all right, I'll go find it. And it's really like, it's really good. I'm going to read you the description. First of all, it's yogurt. It's frozen yogurt. And it's just as good as ice cream without, I don't, I don't know. Yogurt is like better for you. It has active enzymes and stuff for your gut bacteria so um, it's also less fat. Not that that really matters for me with ice cream. I'm going to eat it regardless. But that's cool. Um, I definitely eat more of it because I'm like, it's low-fat frozen yogurt. So well, who gives a fuck? So here, I'm going to read the description for you. White chocolate, low-fat frozen yogurt with red raspberry puree and dark chocolate red raspberry mini cups. Uh, one of my very best friends hates raspberry and is a listener of this podcast, so she might be gagging in her car right now. But I, I'm not always a fan of chocolate and fruit, but this is a winning combination. I'm also, I, I know also some people have, feel very strongly about white chocolate and their hatred towards it. So while this is a shout out, I know some people might not even be at all interested in it. But I'm interested in it, so I'm talking about it. And it's so good. First of all, the actual ice cream is white chocolate flavored. It's such a delicious surprise to like think that you're going to have vanilla ice cream, but then realize it's white chocolate. Plus, it has raspberry puree. Like, it's amazing. And then the little cups, they're like little dark chocolate cups with red raspberry puree inside of them. So it's got the flavor. And then it's got a little bit of crunch in there. I don't tend to like 
ice cream without some sort of added texture or frozen yogurt, semantics, what have you, without some sort of added texture. So this is just a winner in all aspects. If you are near Publix and you don't hate white chocolate or raspberry, I highly recommend that you try it because in all honesty, white chocolate is not like one of my favorite flavors. Raspberry is not my favorite flavor, but I love what they're doing here together. It's a beautiful dance choreographed by Mr. Publix himself, and they are killing it. They're just, they're killing it at the dance. That's all I can say. All right, here is the end of the episode. Thank you to you, the listeners, for doing just that, listening. Thank you to my brother, Ethan, for the music. You can find more of that on Spotify under Love Tana. You can email the podcast at selfdoubtsandwich at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at selfdoubtsandwich. Um, I also have another podcast with my husband, Douglas, um, about parenthood, NBC television show, and it's called Becoming Braverman. And if you like what you are hearing, please review, rate, subscribe, tell other people because it's more fun when they're here too. Okay, thanks. Bye.